Welcome to the Ars Technicast, where Ars Technica writers and editors discuss the latest in the worlds of science, computing, technology, and everything else in between. During each episode, we dig deep into some of the issues we're writing about at ArsTechnica.com. We also talk about some of the stuff we're doing when we're not circling around the Ars orbiting headquarters. I am your host, social editor Cesar Torres, and your co-host is Casey Johnson, contributing writer. Hello. Hey, Casey. Today we've got with us senior product specialist Andrew Cunningham. Hello. Hey. So we're just literally days away from the Worldwide Developers Conference, and as you guys know from reading the site, we do a lot of coverage, including our live blog on site. Next, uh, at, the, at the conference this time, we've, uh, Jackie Chang will be making a bit of a cameo appearance. She'll be live blogging. But uh, even though she can't join us on this particular episode, we thought we'd talk a little bit about what's about to happen and some of our expectations uh, in terms of uh, what may be announced. So that's why we've got Andrew here. He does a ton of the Apple coverage. And so, uh, yeah, what, uh, what are you thinking about as we... Get ready for the show. What is foremost in your mind, Andrew? <laughs> yes, what is burning in there? The biggest stuff I think is probably going to be software related. I think it's going to be all about iOS and um, OS 10.9 probably. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing about covering um, WWDC and really any Apple stuff is that they don't – like a lot of companies will talk to the press a little bit beforehand and give us some like advanced information so we can – like plan our coverage and do like detailed um, in-depth posts before the announcements happen. Apple doesn't do that for basically anybody. I mean, I think they're a very, very small group of like hand-picked. Um, I, I don't want to say Apple friendly, but I, I, I guess they want to pick journalists who they work with, who are known quantities <laughs> to um, work with beforehand. And then everybody else just finds out at the same time as the rest of the world. And so, yeah, going into this, like what we have to work with are basically rumors and what Apple has done in the past. And we kind of have to to um, make our best guesses about coverage and about what we're going to see based on that. Well, let's start with uh, talking about iOS 7. I feel like is I feel like of the two operating systems, it's the more I feel like there are more concrete rumors surrounding this. I feel like at least we have. (laughs) I mean, Concrete in relation to Apple is like even just the <laughs> barest of hints, but like I've seen, I've seen a, a a very very blurry screenshot of a iOS a purported iOS seven home screen, <laughs> um, and they I think the main thing that I'm going on is the fact that they released their uh, WWDC app that apparently they intend for people to use to navigate the conference, and uh, a lot of people are taking that app as a sort of um, sign of things to come the way it's designed and it, it is very it's there have been rumors for a long time that iOS 7 is going to be flattened out significantly there's going to be less of the bubbliness less of the skeuomorphism and more black and white and less less I guess gray in colors so I mean I guess I'm kind of curious what Andrew if you have anything 
further to add to that speculation? Um, not really. I mean, to define skeuomorphism for people who don't know what it is or maybe have only seen it written before, it's um, it's that tendency that um, not just Apple, like I think there are a lot of other companies that do this, but Apple is definitely the biggest and possibly the worst offender, depending on how you feel about it. It's this tendency in app design to make the apps resemble the real world objects that they supposedly, you know, ape. So the notes app on like a Mac or an iPhone looks like a yellow legal pad or the calendar app looks like it's in a little little leggy leather day planner. And, um, you know, for some people, I'm sure this is very these are like very cute design touches. But for other for other apps, like I'm thinking of the Contacts app in particular, it's made to look like a book. And the way that they've designed it, like the way the the way they've designed it to look like a book gets in the way of using the app and like makes it makes the user experience worse. Or like if you've ever opened the notes app to take a note and you've been like, why is this font so terrible? And why does it have to look like handwriting? That is skeuomorphism. Yes. Hard at work. At its worst. <laughs> Um, so I'm in a, in a way I'm, I'm looking forward to the move away from skeuomorphism because I do feel like a lot of those touches tend to be corny instead of like, like comforting, or I don't really know how Apple intends them to like make me feel about my calendar app. Like I certainly don't like the way the notes app makes me feel and I never use it. <laughs> so, um, but the, the WWDC, D, I can't even say that WWDC app in particular, uh, reminds me very much of Android. In the way it looks. Yeah, right, because it's it's um flatter colors in general. And um I think that's been that's been the direction not just the Android is moving in, but like Windows Phone is really big on, you know, big flat colorful tiles without a whole lot of textures and, and, and things like that. Right. Um Casey, have you actually downloaded the WWDC app? I've seen screenshots of it, but I haven't actually used it yet. I have not downloaded it either. I've just okay. seen the screenshot, I think, of like uh, scheduling page within it, but it yeah, was, but it was it's just like, like very surprisingly, very much like something I would expect to see from Android. It looks like it looks like when you have Gmail or Hangouts on right on an iPhone, it's like that sort of very slightly jarring. Like, oh, this looks different than most of the things I use on this phone. Well, well it seems to give it a little bit more parity with stuff that you see from just other apps out, out there on the web. Just, mm-hmm. There's just a, a cleaner aesthetic that uh, I don't know. I'm I could surely use it. I did, Apple's all over the place with the way that they've designed each of the apps. I don't know if it was <clears throat> very widely separated teams, but just how they ended up with these geomorphic <laughs> uh, anomalies. Uh, you know, it's it'd be nice if they just kind of tighten it all up into one single experience because. In the end, you know, the way that they've really been successful is by third-party apps, and people have lots of opportunities there to experiment with what they've got. But when you're using native applications in, in these iOS devices, you you want something that looks and feels really consistent. And nowadays, the way it is before the release of uh, or the announcement of iOS 7, uh, it's not. So uh, I could sure use a change. I feel like the... I feel like there's a lot of design elements in iOS apps that actually do get used. It makes it gives them a very uniform look most of the time if you use what I mean, I don't know a ton about app development, but it seems like there are design elements that Apple gives you that you can either like heavily design over or you can just like use their their sets of buttons. And it's like it just makes it easier to do. But like Google, for example, when they make their apps, they they heavily design over them to 
sort of bring their aesthetic into iOS. Yeah, and, and they they they're an interesting case because I don't think they do, it's not like they're just porting their Android apps straight over like they do make an effort to make sure especially apps like Gmail mm-hmm. and um and Google Search um work well on iOS and are like consistent functionally with the rest of the platform, but yeah, they do like it's a lot of flat primary colors. Um sometimes you'll see some like gradients and and things in those colors, but you don't see like the wood textures or the um like the glossy glassy looking icons or or things like that that you see in ios now and um i guess the look is just kind of a little dated like a lot of the icons and assets in ios 6 are the same or very similar as they were when the iphone launched in 2007 so you know whatever your thoughts on skeuomorphism i think you know a fresh coat of paint would not be a miss at this point (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really don't see a lot of – some people have name-checked Windows Phone, but I really don't – I really see much more Android in it than I do Windows Phone. Like Windows Phone is still very – at least if everything is flat, it's also kind of like really big and cartoony and has a lot of layers like things – like like in things like the music app, like things laid over each other a lot, like cover – like album art behind text that's over, you know, lists. And I don't see a lot of that in – Either either iOS or Android or iOS seven. Yeah, right. Because iOS and Android have they they their information density is a bit better. I think most of the time, like they try and pack mm-hmm. more on the screen at once. Mm-hmm. And Windows Phone is a lot about yeah about like swiping and gestures and big big tiles, which I think is maybe less intimidating to newcomers, but to power users like us and I'm sure most of our listeners. Um. They they prefer something that gives them a bit more information at a time. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to move on to talking about this uh, feature that's being sort of ascribed in a way to iOS, but it seems very independent to me. And that's the rumor that Apple is going to release a a quote unquote iRadio, a Spotify competitor, or now a, now that Google has released. Google Play, is it Google Play Music All Access or Google, Google Music Play All Access? Google Play Music All Access. Oh, Google man. All Music Play Access. Got it. Um, <laughs> Open Sesame. Nailed it. So Say it five times fast, please, before we continue. <laughs> is, there, is there an acronym for it? GP? It's GPMA. GP. Nah, no. Oh, okay. Um, so... Anyway, I kind of want to talk about iRadio in... I mean, I am I am I have a deep and abiding love for Spotify. I use it a lot. I have it on my phone and I subscribe to it and it's great. Um, but I have some some reservations about Apple entering this market. Uh, I mean, they started they started iTunes. Congratulations to them, but they're 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 most of their forays into services I feel like are uh always lacking sufficiently enough that people just don't like i i can't i can't think of this iradio thing without thinking of ping if anyone <laughs> remembers ping uh which was there i don't even know how to scri- describe it because i never really used it but it was very it was, yes. it was like the, it was like twitter for for itunes track yeah they put in like, like just some social features for this where you could comment and follow people and see what they were into but yeah i think the only person who i ever had any interaction there with was maybe just Jackie because we Only played with it for a day. Pings. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I will say though, Apple certainly does have the 
some of the biggest and fattest deals with the music industry. So in terms of maybe delivering something that would be robust with the music library, I, I have no doubt that they would have that. But certainly the, the experience, the, the user experience, that remains to be seen. And integrating the social aspect, there's they haven't had the greatest track record when it comes to some of that in their products. So I'd be curious, but, you know, I'm also, maybe I'm feeling a little bit of music app burnout between all the (laughs) choices we've got and radio, and then just even managing the occasional MP3 library from, from my extensive collection on iTunes. I'm just sort of thinking like, please don't, you know, make it too, too enticing because I don't want to have to switch at this point again, because I'm already with Spotify. I mean, my apprehension here is twofold then. It's it's Apple is bad at social. They have not they have yet to do anything really effective other than integrate other people's social networks into theirs and that they are bad with cloud things. Uh iCloud is still as far as I know not that great of a success and it's had a like a long bumpy road of being other things and just working badly. And a component of this is uh, iMessages, which I think people universally have trouble with, <laughs> syncing, syncing and things going to the right places and so forth. So that all gives that all plays into a good radio service, I feel like. And uh, Apple has a just bad track record with both. Yeah, like, OK, for the social thing, I think they are pr- I, I think they're more likely to continue just integrating with services like Twitter and Facebook than they are to try and do their own social thing at this point. Like, I think they, they tried that experiment. It failed. They look at Google and like Google plus is not setting the world on fire. So I, I think they are going to, I would predict that they would just do kind of like what Spotify or RDO does, like integrate with other social networks and not really worry about social, like being a first party feature that they have. Um, and then for like the service end of it, yeah, like iMessage doesn't work great, but I think at least, at least in Apple's first party apps, like the data syncing and like iCloud backup and a lot of that stuff, like it's been pretty reliable for me, like historically. And um, they've I, got, I mean, they've got like the other, they've got all the other pieces there. Like they've got the genius stuff that kind of puts together the radio stations for you out of your local library. They've got um, what is like the iTunes cloud or whatever it is where you can upload your music and and download it again from anywhere. Yeah, Yeah, like they've got the pieces there and they've got the relationships with like the record labels. I I mean, I think it could be a good service. It's just they they need to um, they need at this point they kind of need to do something that everybody else isn't doing, you know, like they need to, they need to offer a killer feature that Spotify or like Google play music all access isn't, isn't doing. And I don't know what's left for them to do, you know, maybe it's simply the price point. Maybe they can just offer it more competitively. See, that's the thing though. I feel like Apple is very stingy about, uh, services. Um, the, the way that their iCloud for like iCloud backup, for instance, is, Something that I would never pay for because the you get your free what is it free five gigabytes five yes and you, and you can you don't have to use it for backup you can use it however you want but it's just like not it's it's just not an effective vector for backing up a phone like I I think I turned it on when it came out and then a couple months later after well not even a couple months I think like six months later after getting notifications that my iCloud backup couldn't back up because it's too small. <laughs> I just turned it off because it was like, I can't, I can't do anything with this. So, 
I mean, that that also gives me not a ton of confidence for like Apple might be like, oh, we have this radio service and we have, you know, get all your music at iTunes match and you can make radio out of it. But you can only play so many songs or you can only make so many playlists. And if you want to go above and beyond that, it's going to be some price that's more expensive than it is to have access to Spotify's whole catalog. Yeah. And that's something that record companies will get behind. The, I'm sure whatever Apple is saying in that regard, the record companies will be delighted to hear it because Spotify, I believe, is not that appealing to the business side. Like musicians and record companies really don't make that much money from it. So I feel like Apple has a tendency to make the record companies happy over customers, and that has not worked out for well, well for them in the past. Well, you know, without getting too far ahead... Because I know, Casey, you, uh, I, I like how we're going down the, the line of some, some things here. I kind of want to tap into some, some iCloud uh, complaints and sort of a wish list that I have uh, b- mm-hmm. because we're talking about it. I, I really feel like in this iOS 7 announcement, if, if there were some great improvements over iCloud in terms of stability, performance, but also the user experience, that might actually make me the happiest because – uh, one, just managing that from the business end, whether you're the customer or you're Apple, it's still really all over the board. I still get emails and phone calls from relatives who ask me, what does this mean when they're asking me to bump up my iCloud? I thought I already had it. Like when you get questions like that and you don't even work for Apple, you know something's not <laughs> set up mm-hmm. properly. But, uh, you know, if they're going to push into basically – Spotify or uh, RDO's arena, they they need to just make this as seamless as possible. And so much of that just has to do with the customer understanding, here's my stuff, whether it's in the cloud or it's in my computer, can I see it? You know, where where does it belong? How how can I access it? And if it's radio or music, just let me allow, you know, allow me to just hit play. And um, I think that that's the overhaul that, that could really sort of push them forward. Because I think it's what keeps them lagging behind, for, you know, a lot of other services. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and even but, just um, oh, go ahead. Oh, just I'm just like keep in mind the audience that they're going to be talking to too. Like this is their worldwide developer conference, so while mm-hmm. there are going to be a lot of consumer oriented announcements made, I think um, like they are they are in front of a develop a developer audience, and they want to hear about developer things. So, yeah, I expect that their services like iCloud and uh, maybe Maps and a few and like their APIs to to plug into those services are going to get a lot of stage time because, yeah, there have been some like I think we've done a piece or two. Um, I know The Verge has done a piece or two about um, just developer complaints about about iCloud and how Apple kind of sold it as being the service that would tie all of your apps together and your app could like plug into it really easily and use it for data storage really easily. And that stuff, I mean, it works okay for Apple's first party stuff, but third parties aren't seeing the, um, they aren't seeing what Apple promised. So yeah, I really like, I don't know what Apple is going to get up and say exactly, but I I think that services are going to be a big focus for them, for them this year. Yeah. My, my apprehension stems mainly from, the fact that this has been a service they've been working on in some form for how long? Like back when it was back when it was Dot Mac, it was not like iTools hard, or whatever the original. Like name hardly was. the same yeah. thing at all. But that's like ten years old, right? Yeah. They've had this. They've had this sort of sinking 
aspect in, in work in some way or another. And I think like my favorite, uh, it's gotta be top five, like Steve jobs moment that I've ever heard about is the one where I think, uh, I think it must've been, it must've been either, it was either dot me or dot, or I, I believe it was, launched. it was mobile me if I'm thinking. Yes. Right. Okay. It was mobile me and, uh, it was a disaster. And Steve jobs said to some engineer, like, how is this supposed to work? The guy went on a long spiel about how it's supposed to work. And then Steve Jobs was like, okay, why doesn't it work that way? <laughs> so, well, and then um, he fired the guy, right? Like that's the end well, of the story. Like he, yeah, but he I feel fired like this, him in this, front of the, the room because the thing this, didn't work correctly. But this aspect of Apple has such a, is such a uh, long and sort of daylight dollar short history. I just don't have a lot of, faith in it anymore and that is not helped by the fact that i can you know have a bunch of iMessage conversations going on my computer on my phone i open my computer and they load like the last you know two hours of messages with one of my friends will load like all of their messages at once in like one long thing and then all of my messages at once and it's like okay this conversation is useless yeah. like that's that's such just doesn't seem like it should be a hard thing at all yeah and it, it really gets to something that um that a lot of apple and google watchers have have said like I've, I've read this a few times and i think it's really really true that um google is getting better at what apple is known for like design and consistency mm-hmm. more quickly than apple is getting good at what google does which is like services and back end stuff mm-hmm. and that's that is really a good yeah and that's like that's the front that this battle has kind of moved to is you look at ios and android and like there are differences between the two and the two have different strengths and weaknesses but they do most of the same stuff mm-hmm. And um, and so it's becoming more about the services those tie into and like how they interact with each other and stuff that that um, that really, I think, dictates a lot of mobile purchasing these days. You know, I want to return. I when when you said this earlier, I almost wanted to have an outburst and change subject immediately, but I restrained <laughs> myself. Uh, you brought up maps, which I had completely uh, forgotten about. I know since Google Maps came out, I have not. I've not. Even I know. I never Apple looked maps. back. It was like, like thank God. Google maybe they're improving it, me. but I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to be the one who does that beta testing for them. Oh boy, you're going to be though. Um, <laughs> yeah. I. When was that? Was that last? Uh, was that? Um, was it last WWDC that they announced that? Or was it last September? It was iOS 6 that Maps came out in. Mm-hmm. So um, that would have been, yeah, last last summer sometime. Or okay. maybe last October. So, yeah, that was a disaster that we had to suffer with for a couple of months. And then Google Maps came out. And so I can only assume that Apple is going to... I mean, I haven't seen any rumors about this, but I would be very surprised now that we're now that I'm thinking about it if they were not to announce some improvements to maps in some way to like sort of even even just to like draw attention back to it because I can only imagine that by this time the market share of Google Maps on iOS is like huge and the market share yeah, of maps right. on iOS is just shrunk to close to nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if they can't do, even if they can't get up on stage and show like this and this and this or the concrete improvements that we've made to maps, um, Apple really likes numbers and they like to get up and say, oh, we sold 10 bajillion Macs and we made a hundred zillion dollars. So I, I would expect them to get up and say like, you know, we've made this many, you know, user submitted improvements to maps. We have this many people working on it or like these are the, 
this is the like commitment we've made to improving it. Cause we've gotten a couple reader tips. I think um, there was one in particular that came in a couple weeks ago about somebody whose business had been like their address was wrong in Apple maps. And it was that way for like six months and Apple finally like got in touch with them and corrected it recently. So like they're still, they're still actively working, but it's just like, it's difficult to get up in stage and demonstrate, you know, if you, if you get up and you try and, you try and pull up this intersection like th- this is going to work right all the time now you know what i mean mm-hmm. i just feel like i feel like maps needs a gritty reboot <laughs> otherwise no one's ever going to use it again you know we need to get christopher nolan in here to seriously some new Apple maps. <laughs> we need we need i almost said patrick bateman and then i almost said christian bateman and neither of those people i want no we do need jason bateman too yeah he's a good he, can, too. he can play the straight man but, but and christian bale can be but don't you fun. feel like they're, they're still gonna squeeze out a little bit more i guess love for this i mean i, I just don't see them rebooting it quite yet yeah, uh, I mean, it's, an enhancement it's, maybe or just some additional like features more gonna, api stuff but mm. yeah it's gonna be really hard for them to overcome the initial perception of maps as being just a buggy janky mess like that that first impression cannot be undone and i just like maybe they can get people who don't download a lot of apps and like maybe aren't aware that there's a separate google maps app you know the people who just pull up their phone and say oh maps this is what this is where the maps are Mm -hmm. i think those people will probably improve from the map stuff but you know again especially like the power user audience our audience developer audience I just don't know. Like, what can you say? I, I don't know if you could say anything to me to get me to use Apple Maps again. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I mean, I would. I I could almost sort of counter that by saying how big of by just pointing out how big of a focus Google Maps less less so the mobile application. I mean, it was in part, but Google Maps was a big focus of Google at I/O. And all of the all of these improvements they made to it, even though they are like the dominant market player. So I feel if Google Maps can still add to Maps, when Google Maps is already so good and like the the prominent Maps app, I feel like there's a lot that Apple could possibly do. Sure, but I think with Google's like thing, they, you know, Google like, starts from a position of strength. Google can say, you know, we have this data, and you know, our data is good here is the new cool stuff we're doing with that data where Apple still has to convince people, okay, our data is good enough to like use day to day now, you know? True. But here's, okay, here's one thing. If Apple were to just add biking directions back to their, <laughs> or not even back, I think no one ever had biking directions, if I recall correctly, on the I mean, iOS Google, but, Oh, on the iOS, iOS I don't know. Yeah, uh, Google, I'm pretty sure did not, they, on desktop they always have, but. Right. Yeah. So if Apple were to add biking directions to their Maps app, that would at least for me return it to somewhere, maybe not on the main home screen, but like on the, maybe the second home screen. Like it's it would not- no longer be <laughs> way on the 12th page of apps in the folder of things like avoid at all costs. Yeah, right. Like in the folder with stocks or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I mean, that's just one thing. I feel like there's, I mean, I haven't devoted a lot of thought to this because I had literally completely forgotten about it, but I think there are things that they could do to bring it sort of back in the spotlight. Yeah. I, I definitely feel like we're due a few major changes also in terms of the user experience because now we've had 
literally, uh, let me count, uh, let's see, 2007, with six plus years of iOS. And what this means to me, there's so many iOS objects, like the actual phones, the tablets, in people's hands all over the world. A lot of people now have truly been trained. They've trained themselves in the gestures and how to use this. So even if they change a little bit of the UX, that that's cool. But I think it's time that they add some features where you kind of reward the experienced users, like the power users, like you were saying, Andrew. And I'm not exactly sure what those would be, but some customization of, of gestures or or maybe even the folders that they you know rolled out not too long ago. I think that would kind of satisfy a lot of people because... You know, once you learn how to use an iPhone or an iPad, you're kind of good to go. But there's always more that you want. You know, if you really are using it for productivity as a professional, if you use it for design, you know, I think now would be the time for Apple to kind of put some of that stuff in there. So I hope we get some of that. Yeah, I mean, I know Apple and this is like one one of the very, very few things that Tim Cook did actually say at his um, All Things D conference interview was um, that Apple's not really big into like multiple nested pages of settings. Like they tend to pick an experience that they think will be the best for the most people and just kind of stick with that. But um, yeah, but we can, you know, we can still hold out hope and that's, that's, um, you know, customizing iOS. So you can have like different apps as like the third party defaults and things like that. Like, I think we'll see iOS get a little more flexible, but Apple still very much likes to, control the experience and have like one experience for everybody. So I'd like, yeah, I'm not sure how much we'd have in terms of like custom gestures and mm-hmm. user configurable stuff like that. I do have, I have some doubts about that also, but I would point to OS 10 itself as an example of like, I feel like I'm still learning new things about the operating system that have always or that have, not that have always been in there but have been there for years and like they're just like little little elegant things that like you don't have to know about in order to make your experience better but it's like once you know about them it's like oh cool i'm glad i can actually do that because that makes it so much easier like things with things with menulets or like certain ways of scrolling or changing file names or like dragging and dropping one thing onto another and like there's just all these sort of refinements that are there if you are a power user but you don't have to know about them so i feel like there is sort of room for that and it's not necessarily a thing that apple doesn't do i don't know that ios really lends itself to it but i mean i think i think os 10 is an operating system with many layers and i'm still you know discovering them all the time we've we've seen ios have some influence on uh on os 10 so yeah there's Mm -hmm. always a chance that it'll go back the other way Mm-hmm. I'm also hoping Game Center gets a really good, thorough makeover. I, I, I know <laughs> it doesn't come up a lot because it, I don't feel it's been very successful, but I do use a lot of, I play a lot of games on my iOS device. And to have just one place where I can sort of see points and if I've made any purchases uh, and actually to be able to find friends properly, it doesn't, that just doesn't work. I've tried to find people I know and I think. Um, I've got like two friends and that can't be right. There's lots of other iOS users who, who have it. I think that would be kind of neat because the certainly we can make an argument that some of the uh, gaming uh, promise that, that was there for the iOS devices it has come true. There's, there's a lot of really great games that are being rolled out for it. So why not improve Game Center, which has always had lots of little niggling complaint, complaints from people. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel like Apple must have some sort of permissions uh, async asynchronicity in there that it can't give itself permission to see contacts in your phone because I I I also think I have a lot more people who are on Game Center playing games that I can't see and I don't really know and I can't find them and I don't know why. The people that I have found are just people I I I don't even remember how I want to say it was through it was through playing the game Letterpress, but I don't remember how ultimately we got involved with each other on there. <laughs> but that's that's where most of my friends See, came that, from. That's just it. It shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, good point. I mean, yeah. Okay, let's hold out. Let's have have there been any rumors about that? I don't think there have. Uh, uh, just, in particular? just that it's part of the overall make, makeover that it's getting. So nothing real specific. Okay. Um, so, so let's, let's talk for a minute about, uh, not just the, the software side of this stuff, but, uh, the possible, uh, hardware that, that could be, um, announced. Andrew, this is something yeah. that, uh, you cover quite a bit. So, uh, it's is there my a, wheelhouse? Yeah. What, what's, what are you thinking here? Um, well, there are several rumors going around that we can, we can kind of start from, um, one that went around a couple of weeks ago is that like supplies of the current MacBook Airs are getting constrained. And um, the way Apple's supply chain works is they, I think last time we knew, like somebody ran a report, I think in late 2012 or maybe early 2012, I don't remember. It was about a year ago that said that Apple has about five days worth of inventory in its in its like chain at any given time. So if the supply of a particular model of something is starting to get short, you can often use that as like an indicator that a refresh is about to happen. So yeah, the MacBook the MacBook Airs are uh, one that I think is likely to get a uh, makeover. Um, the first Retina MacBook Pro was introduced at last year's WWDC, so almost exactly a year ago. I think that one's ripe for a refresh too. And, of course, you have the poor, abused workstation people who are still hoping that the <laughs> Mac Pro is going to get going get a fresh The huddle passes. Yeah. <laughs> waiting to be set free. Graphic designers all over the world yeah. waiting with bated breath. Yeah. Well, but, I'm, yeah, I, for um, one, am really looking forward to – I'm really, really hoping for a Retina MacBook Air. I've been mm. a MacBook Pro user for – almost exactly three years now and i'm about ready for an upgrade and i think uh retina macbook air could be could be the one could be the one for me yeah um so so about let's talk about a retina back macbook air and let's talk about the technical things that have kind of prevented it from happening so far mm -hmm. um the current screens that that Apple is using for things like the Retina iPad and like the Retina MacBook Pro require a stronger backlight than uh, previous displays did just because the, the, there are so many more pixels there that you have to light. And a stronger mm -hmm. backlight means that you need a bigger battery to drive that backlight. Hmm. There is a new um, screen technology that is getting um, like it's actually making it into production lately. Um, indium gallium zinc oxide or IGZO is a, yeah, it's a new screen technology that basically allows for retina level displays with less backlighting needed to make them happen. And, um, we're starting to see that creep into some 
PCs, and we're also starting to see some PC ultra books like um, Toshiba's Kira book that I reviewed a couple weeks back have MacBook Air like dimensions and um, a Retina Mac like screen, but with decent battery life. Does that does that already, make sense? Yes, but it seems it seems like too new of a technology. I feel like Apple has to like circle something for a year or two before it accepts it as one of its own. <laughs> so I don't. That seems yeah. it's it. It literally just seems too new to be in an Apple product. Yeah, is Sometimes it unproven that's... in any way? Is there like any are any problems with it? Um, not that I know of. I mean, of course, it's still it's still very new. But like Apple does, they have a weird relationship with with new stuff. Like sometimes, like you said, they take a while to take advantage of this new stuff, and sometimes they, you know, they hop aboard the train before anybody else. Like I, I think the iPhone four kind of started the trend toward higher pixel density displays. Um, they were integrating like um, 802.11n wireless networking before before most people were doing it. Like they have been known to jump on board technology trains just as they're leaving the station rather than like on their second time around the track. So. But I would counter with 4G LTE radios. Pretty much every processor Intel has ever made. Um, I can't think of another one, but those are two big ones for me that they sort of just like, we don't need this right now. And they don't they don't need it until they feel they, they do it when they feel like it, it seems like. Well, they they do usually have current Intel processors, and Intel did just and and I did a couple of articles about this for the site, but Intel <laughs> did just refresh their whole processor lineup with their new architecture, which is called Haswell, mm-hmm. and um, we've seen a lot of Haswell based ultrabooks out of Computex, and those are the same; those are like the same kind of processors that are used in the current MacBook Air and like Retina MacBook Pro. So, like the the pieces are there I think for these refreshes to happen I think a retina MacBook Air is possible I don't know if it's likely but it's it's like technologically possible at this point so yeah we'll 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 see I don't know <laughs> but are we far more likely to see retina MacBook Pro just refresh on that and MacBook Air just sort of ignored we with respect to retina displays yeah the biggest reason why Apple might not put a retina display in the air is just um, to keep the pro and the air like sufficiently different from each other. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you put a retina display in the 13 inch MacBook air, I, I mean, I already have trouble recommending the 13 inch retina MacBook pro to anyone. So mm-hmm. like to, to maintain some sort of distinction between those product lines to give people more reason to spend the money on a, on a retina MacBook pro, I can see Apple keeping Retina to the MacBook Pro only for now, you know, even though it's it's technically possible, I think, to squeeze a Retina display into an Air at this point. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything that is holding back a a new Mac Pro that has not been sorted out? We <laughs> what were we promised end of twenty thirteen or yeah, just twenty some, thirteen sometime this year. That's all we know. The only thing that's holding them back is Apple, I think, at this point. What was what was it? It wasn't it. Tim Cook said last was it like an event last September? It was when the iMacs were introduced. So I think last October ish. Okay, so we did we did get a promise. Which is Not really rare. They, 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 yeah, they don't do that. So the fact that yeah. he singled the Mac Pro out specifically means that something is coming. It's just hard to say when. 
like again, keeping in mind the audience of this, you know, it's going to be developers and power users and people who would be particularly interested in a new professional workstation. I think that they could definitely announce something, mm-hmm. but it might be one of those deals like with the iMac where they announce it, but it doesn't ship for a few months, you know? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, you could you can get into like Intel's launch schedule and and what components are ready and what aren't, but <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know if that makes for scintillating listening. So, <laughs> so we didn't really talk about uh, improvements to I/O or I'm sorry, OS 10 at all during this um, show. I, I'm not I'm not familiar my blah. I'm not familiar myself with what's going to happen there. I I I was assigned our our ship. Uh, iOS 7 is my sort of um, my area for this presentation. So OS 10, I'm not as well versed on. Yeah. And we haven't heard as much about it, honestly, like the, as we, as we wrap up, let, well, I'll keep it short, but the biggest rumor I think we've gotten about it so far has been that there are a lot of changes coming that are quote unquote, like intended for power users. Um, I don't know if that's going to take the form of like better multiple display support or like what kind of stuff they're going to pack in. But in addition to that, I would also expect um, like Johnny Ives design stuff from iOS to be brought over to the Mac. So for especially for apps like Notes and Calendar and and things that are supposed to look the same in both iOS and OS 10, if they change in iOS 7, I would expect the same kind of aesthetic changes to um, to their OS 10 counterparts. Hmm. I don't know if we're going to go ahead. (laughs) No, go you go ahead. I was just going to say we should put in a shameless plug for uh, the inevitable upcoming John Syracuse OS X review. Oh, yeah. We that he's been should. doing low these many years for Ars Technica and our <laughs> many, our, our tens of pages and are always a ripping good read. So, yeah. So, anything they change will be in there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, we will spare no detail. Of what changes? Not, and I say I, we, I mean John Syracuse. I, I love those, but it's sort of like you guys remember when uh, maybe you didn't do this, but when the new Harry Potter novel would come out, you'd get it the day of, and then you'd read it for the whole weekend. That's sort of how his review is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you curl up with like a hot chocolate. I, and I do actually. Like sandwich. It's, you uh, you cry at the end because Dumbledore <laughs> dies because they got because they got rid of a feature. Yeah, they killed all the apps that you really love. Yeah. Snape <laughs> right. killed all the apps. Yeah. <laughs> it's a touching oh. moment. Um, mm-hmm. So we're at the end of the show, but uh, I wanted to make sure that we told our listeners about the, what's what's happening in the schedule for the podcast for the, this episode and the next, because there's a lot of stuff rolling out. Not only are we talking about WWDC today, but uh, by the time you get the next episode... We E3 will be uh, also underway. So look forward to an episode where we talk about what went down at E3, what what was announced. Andrew, do you have anything? Uh, you're going to be there. You're going to be right like in the midst of the chaos. Uh, is there anything you just kind of want to tease the audience with and let us know what uh, you're going to be doing there? Well, um, I will say that on Monday, which I think is June 10th, is that right? Um, we're going to be doing five live blogs <laughs> and um, there will be the Apple one, of course, which we just talked about in detail. But we will also be covering, um, I think, EA's, uh, Ubisoft's, uh, Microsoft's mm-hmm. and Sony's. And at Sony's in particular, I think we're going to get a look at what the PS4 is actually going to look like. So, 
yeah, just keep an eye on the site on Monday. There's going to be a ton of stuff going on, you know, both Monday and in the subsequent days. So that's that's my teaser. Well, I, I would suggest uh, that, well, maybe it's too hot in the summer to curl up with some hot chocolate. But if you guys like need a cold soda, that's what I would do on Monday is just get in front of that screen or your iPad and just read the, yeah. the whole thing. A, gin- a ginger beer and ice water, <laughs> you know. Whatever. Orange, orange phosphate or whatever it is. And, and yeah. a good lumbar exactly. pillow. Diet cream sickle shasta or whatever. <laughs> oh, and, whatever uh, it is that you drink when it's hot out. Yeah. And, and your tablet of choice. It doesn't have to be a, uh, an iPad. It could be anything you want. It could be your cell phone. The, the more screens you can watch these live, box, live, live, box, live blogs on, the better. So just get everything out, every computer, well, tablet that you have. And it's no joke. I do have a few friends, and I know plenty of people who work in office environments where they, on the day of these announcements, they will run uh, as many screens as they can with uh, multiple you know, views to, to keep track of the action. So we will be there um, covering every beat on Monday. Yeah. I believe the Microsoft and the Microsoft presser and the WWDC – uh, presentations are going to overlap. So you will actually need at least two windows open. So plan on that, maybe. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, um, okay. And oh, and one one last thing, just just uh, just to make sure everybody is gets all the info they need for, for what's going to happen to. Uh, of course, you'll see the updates uh, to the site. Uh, we always send people over to it from Twitter, so feel free to uh, check us out at Ars Technica. Uh, that's the username for, for Twitter because we'll be putting lots of updates there. And then for some of the people that arrive early into the live blogs, we've always done this uh, or we've done this for a long time, but it's kind of really cool if you, if there's just a few minutes before it starts. Sometimes we take uh, user comments, and so if you have some opinions or some ideas about uh, what's going to be announced that's your chance to kind of interact directly with us. So I can't make a promise that we'll do it for every single one, but that's we generally do have those uh, comments in there. So that can be usually a good time. Yeah, and a lot of the time we'll also get some cool uh, questions about like our setups and like just what goes into covering the live blog stuff. So if you have that kind of question, like pre-show I think is an ideal time to ask because we're sitting right there with all of our equipment in our laps so and nothing to do with it yet so they, <laughs> all they want to do is talk about it totally so yeah. all right you guys well thank you for joining us and as i said we'll we'll have a pretty big episode next next time uh, talking about what went down at e3 but i want to thank you both for being here hey thank you well, well thank you 